On today's episode, we are recapping the first round of the NBA playoffs here in 2019, as well as taking a look towards the second round of games. All that and more on Check the School Board. All right, guys, welcome into episode 34 of Check the Scoreboard here. And I know it's been a while. It's been a couple of weeks. And I wanted to wait until the the first round of games were over because we were all over the place here. Uh, But on the last episode, on episode 33, we had had checked in after the first two games of every series uh, or or most series. Um, And now that we've got the entire first round complete, of course, the second round has already begun uh, with a couple of teams playing, already playing their first games. But that's okay. We're gonna we're gonna look towards these 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 upcoming series, and we're gonna talk about the past. But of course, we're gonna do the past first. Uh, I want to thank you all for tuning in every week or every episode, rather. Um, and that's how we're gonna do this. We're gonna try to wait until uh, the second round is over, and then we'll recap the second round and do uh, the conference final segment. So um, I'm not gonna be on here every week. I'm gonna wait until the end of the series. But that'll probably change when we get to the finals. When we get to the NBA finals, I'll probably do every two games. Uh, just because then that'll be the final the final series of the year, and I can do every two games because I don't have to worry about you know multiple teams playing at a, at a single point in time. But speaking of the first round being over, finally have a blog post back up, and the blog post is about uh, all the teams who lost in the first round. Uh, so that would be uh, you know from the Western Conference to the Eastern Conference. That's going to include uh, the San Antonio Spurs. It's going to include the Utah Jazz. It's going to talk about the Clippers. Um, it's going to talk about uh, who else lost in the first round out of the Western Conference? The the Thunder is going to talk about the Pistons. It's going to talk about the Pacers. It's going to talk about the Magic. And it's going to talk about the Brooklyn Nets. Um, so I'm going to talk about all eight teams who lost, but I'm going to rank their series losses. Or not, I'm not going to, but I did um, in this latest blog post. I ranked the series losses in order of most disappointing to least disappointing. So if you're interested in that, uh, just check the scoreboard or not check the scoreboard.com. Um, that's going to be, you can find it on my Twitter. Uh, if you go to my Twitter page, Jamal Kennedy at J A H M A L Kennedy K E N N E D Y. It's my pinned tweet. If you uh, follow me on Facebook or if you're friends with me on Facebook, uh, it's the most recent thing that I've posted on Facebook. It's in my Instagram bio. Um, so if you, if you're interested in reading it, you can reach out to me on any platform and you can find it there. Uh, but that's what that blog post was about. Um, and really the first round was a very interesting round. It was a very exciting round in terms of just pure excitement and, and matchups and games that we had. I know it wasn't the results that we were looking for. You know, six out of the eight first round matchups, you know, were decided in, in five or fewer games. Um, we had two sweeps. So really only two series went beyond uh, you know, five games. And, and that and that's while that is surprising. Um, it doesn't mean that, you know, every series was any less exciting. Well, I think when you look back on it, we had a ton of we had tons and tons of exciting series. Just, you know, what it, whether it was headlines going to these games or, or or just really just really good matchups. And I think uh, when I think back on the first round, the um, series that comes to mind, obviously, is that Oklahoma series uh, between the Thunder and the Blazers. Just in terms of just, you know, what we had going into it. Um, it was just pure excitement. You know, we had Russ and Lillard. You know, we had Paul George, who was in the MVP race all season. You know, probably on the outside looking in, you know, 
at a certain point in time, it got to be where it was between Giannis and, and James Harden. But certainly Paul George had a, a very strong year, career high year, averaging 28 points a game. You had Russ, who averaged a triple-double for the third straight year. And the Thunder, who were one of the better defensive teams, you know, when you look at the metrics, um, all season long, com- you know, coming into a series as a six seed facing a three seed in the, in the Portland Trailblazers, who were looking to click or who were clicking um, and were just trying to get by without their big man years of Nurkic. Um, you know, Damon CJ and mostly Damon, you know, carried this team and, and they had been successful immensely and they, they, they'd been well supported by uh, the surrounding players. They made big trades to, to help their team out a lot and getting Rodney Hood uh, and Ennis Canner off of waivers from the, from the Knicks. So, I mean, this Trailblazers team, it wasn't going to be a rollover by any chance. And that was a series that I was really, really struggling to pick a winner in because I just, I enjoyed it, the matchup so much. Um, and it ended up just being Damian Lillard just t- toasting the Oklahoma City Thunder for five games. I mean, 33 points a game in that series. He shot 46% from the field and 48% from three. I mean, he was, he said it. He said he was embarrassed. CJ McCollum said that he was embarrassed, that they were embarrassed after they got swept by the, the Pelicans last year in the first round. And they went out onto the court and they beat the Thunder in five games, right? I mean, they won the first two. Oklahoma City wins game three. Uh, you know, Portland takes game four and, and game five. Dame just goes off for 50 and he hits the game winner in Paul George's face from 37 feet out, what Paul George called a bad shot. But when you looked at it from, you know, overall in the series, Damian Lillard was shooting lights out from well beyond the arc. From like over 30 plus feet, he only missed like two or three attempts. Uh, so, I mean, just that was just, it was magnificent. It was a wonderful, it was the most inner. It was the most entertaining first-round series to watch. It wasn't the best first-round series to watch, but it was the most entertaining. The best first-round series to watch was that Golden State Clippers series, and that's you have to give a lot of credit and a lot of respect uh, to the to the Los Angeles Clippers. I mean, they lost in six, uh, but they what they accomplished in that series, that game two, thirty-one point comeback, was in, was nothing short of magnificent and wonderful and and just all around great. I mean, Golden State did do some things in, in that game to, to give it to them. But after that, I mean, I mean, the Clippers, they just didn't fold. Kevin Durant comes out and he has this whole, like, I'm Kevin Durant. I mean, you guys know who I am, blah, blah, blah. He gives that speech. He goes on the average 41 and a half points a game for the rest of the series after he gives that speech. And the Clippers find a way to steal another game. They steal game five um, in Oracle, just behind another strong performance from the God Lou Williams, Montrezl Harrell. I mean, two guys off the bench, but who were strong contributors to this team all season long. I mean, Harrell coming into the playoffs was averaging, you know, 16 a game and and just shy of six rebounds. And in the series, you know, he's averaging, he, he gets his average up to, or in the regular season, he was averaging 17 and seven off the bench. But in the series, he, I mean, he, he bumps his scoring up to 18 a game and his rebounding falls off to, to five and a half. But I mean, he scored 24 or more in half the games in the series. So in three of the six games, he scored 24 or more off the bench. Uh, he was a huge lift for them. Uh, Lou Williams, I, I I didn't really talk about him, but I mean, I looped around, but I'm coming back. He had two 30, he had two 30 point 10 assist games in the series. Uh, so it, he showed that he was capable of doing more than just scoring the basketball. I mean, he's going to be the sixth man of the year again. Uh, he had an incredible series. I mean, in that game too, he had a, a dagger shot just fading away baseline uh, on the left side, a tough, tough shot, and he hits it. 
to to really, I mean, dagger the Warriors or or not dagger them. He didn't die, he but it gave him the lead. Shamit hits the three to to to, to win the game. But I mean, William Lou was just incredible. Um, I mean, he averaged twenty one and seven. Um, if you round those numbers up, twenty two and eight. And he and Harold in the pick and roll, and, and when they were on the court together, was just they were just unstoppable, and they were just they gave the Warriors fits, and they gave them trouble, um, and and they were just so much fun to watch that Clipper that Clippers team because they didn't give up. I mean, you talk about shot, you know, Shy Gilgis Alexander, who's a rookie, but he played very very well. I mean, to be a rookie, he played very very well. Um, I mean, he had. He scored at least 18 points in three of the games of in three of the six games. So like Harrell, uh, he was a strong contributor. Uh, he he averaged a steal a game in the, in the series. So um, yeah, he didn't play great every game, but for this this was a strong series for him. This was this is going to help him next year. Um, I mean, his shot looked great. He didn't look scared to shoot the ball. Um, his shot was fluid. It was. It was on point. He was driving the ball. He was making all the right plays, all the right decisions. Um, and so he played bigger than a rookie in that series. And, and this is going to help the Clippers. And they signed Doc Rivers to an extension. Um, after, I mean, just to show their loyalty, Steve Ballmer showing his loyalty uh, to his coach and to his team and saying that I believe in you guys. And who knows where this, where this Clippers team is going to be in the future. Um, I mean, I know they've got a lot of decisions to make. They made some trades to help them get better. Uh, but who knows where those guys will be, uh, where those guys will be, and, and going into the draft what the Clippers will be looking for. Um, so, But this was a strong series for them and, and one that deserves respect. And, and certainly uh, we send our respect. I mean, we respect the Clippers for, for, what, they, for what they put up and what they did um, for six straight games. And then, I mean, you want to talk about – want to talk about a tough series, a, a tough – I mean, that was just great uh, to see a team play well in you, the Denver Nuggets in their series against the San Antonio Spurs. It goes seven. Um, not the outcome that I thought we would get. I thought a younger Denver team would, would maybe struggle in a seven-game series with a, a veteran Spurs team, but they proved me wrong. Um, especially, I, I mean, sort of like the Clippers got in that game two against the Warriors – when they came back, the Spur or the the Nuggets, when they came back from 19 down, Jamal Murray goes off in the fourth quarter, only misses a shot. You know, he goes eight for nine in that fourth quarter of game two and finishes the game with 20, what, like 27 points. That was kind of like a boost to them. I mean, they went up 3-2 on the Spurs. They, you know, after winning several games in San Antonio, they, they go up 3-2 on the Spurs and they just close them out at home and – it wasn't great. I mean, they win 90 to, to 86 in game seven, but Jokic notches a triple-double. Um, so he played big. He got better as the series went on. Jamal Murray got better as the series went on. And they really answered the bell in this whole, like, how well is this young team, this inexperienced playoff team, how well are the Nuggets going to play or be able to play in the playoffs, especially in the first run against the Spurs, who are never an easy out. Uh, and they beat a veteran Spurs team who had better players, arguably, when you look at their roster. I mean, DeRozan is better, uh, a better player than anyone on that roster, except maybe Jokic. Aldridge, certainly the same thing. Um, Rudy Gay is a strong contributor. Uh, he's a veteran guy. 
Um, I mean, you just think about Patty Mills. He's been there before. He's got the playoff experience. He's a champion. Bellinelli's a champion. Uh, so, you know, Bertrand's been in the system for a while. He knows this system. Uh, but the Spurs, maybe just a bit. I mean, and Derek White was phenomenal. I'm not, I don't want to overlook his play, second-year guy out of Colorado. Derek White was amazing in this in this series, and he really uh, took a leap. Or he had a he. I mean, really, all season long from from his rookie year to his second year, he made a a very sizable leap. But this playoff series was huge for them for him. And when they get when they get Dejounte Murray back in the in the 2019-2020 season, if they can keep this chemistry going, if Derek White can keep up his play, you get DeRozan back, you get Aldridge back, um, you've got Pirtle for another year. You know, so that's a solid five right there. Uh, but if you can get Murray and White playing on the same page and get them both going, because I think DeJounte is going to be a strong player when he gets back. Uh, this Spurs team could be about to start another I mean, magnificent, like 15 to 20 year run. Uh, or at least for as long as Pop continues to coach. So, uh, but hats off to, to the Nuggets. I mean, they were, they were absolutely great. And I didn't see a lot of those games because a lot of those games were on NBA TV. Um, and so I just, I really had the, only the box scores to go by, but from what I saw, from what I did see from highlights and, and from box scores and, and bottom lines, I mean, this Nuggets team, they were trailing and they were trailing a lot, uh, and they would, they just overcame and fought back and they even got up big on this Spurs team. So, um, they, they play Portland or tonight, actually Tuesday night, Monday night, uh, the first game of the second round for them. Uh, I'm, it's going to be interesting, and I'll get into that much, much later. But uh, I just that I mean that series, phenomenal. Uh, what a, a great series for the Nuggets, uh, certainly. And then you want to talk, and then Houston and, and Utah uh, to round out the Western Conference. Uh, just a disappointing series for Utah, in that I mean Donovan Mitchell, who went through the sophomore slump and came out of it beautifully. Uh, these guys were coming into the playoffs. I mean, Mitchell was really shouldering a lot of this, and it was much like last year. He gets, he gets, he he goes against Houston in the playoffs, and he just sort of folds. He doesn't play well. Uh, he takes bad shots. He's turning the ball over, uh, and they were. I mean, Utah could have stolen two or three. Not even stolen. Utah could have been on par with or better than the Rockets for three games, at at least. At least they had a, they won they win one game to avoid being swept, but they had a chance to win at least three. I mean they were in it until late in the fourth quarter in at least three of these games or two of the games that they lost, uh, two of the four that they lost. So if you, I mean a, a play here and a play there, and we're talking about maybe a seven game series with those guys. I mean especially when James Harden struggles like he did in Game Four or game three, rather, in game three when he starts 0 for 15, and Utah still has, Utah's like a seven or eight-point lead, and they just blow it. I mean, Mitchell just, he didn't perform well. Yes, he had back-to-back 30-point games in that series, but he did not shoot the ball effectively. Um, he shot the ball poorly. He, I mean, for the series, when you look at it, he only shot 32% from three, uh, and that's unacceptable. He was 0 for 9, in game five, oh for nine, and that was a game that Utah was in, and he has a late turnover before they have to foul, and Houston just shoots free throws to close it out. Um, I mean, it's just his 
it truly, it truly, what it shows is that Donovan Mitchell truly is the catalyst for this team, right? You cannot be outplayed by Ricky Rubio and Jay Crowder if you are the best player on the team. And he is. He's the best player on this team. And Jay Crowder was the best player for the Jazz in their series against the Rockets. Um, Donovan Mitchell, probably maybe not even top five best player on that team in this series. Uh, well, just He was so inefficient. He was so wild and just not uh, making the shots when you needed him to. I mean, he had 19 in game one, 11 points in game two. That You can't have that. You can't have that inconsistency before you go back-to-back 30-point games. Um, you, I mean, you just can't have it. But, I mean, he vows that he's going to get better, and he vows that this is going to make him better, and he'll be ready for next year. And maybe we're putting too much pressure on him because he's only – I mean, this is only his – he's going he's gonna to be in his third year, and he's only going to be, what, 22, 23 years old. So uh, I don't want to put too – we don't want to put too much pressure on Donovan, but at the same time, He's got to realize, he's got to look back on these these last two years in the playoffs against the Rockets, and he's got to use that to get better, get back in the gym. He's got to work on his shooting. Uh, he can't be that inconsistent. He can't go 4 for 22 from the field and, and 0 for 9 from 3. You cannot have that. In, a, in the biggest game of the season, you got to realize you got to put your – you got to either convert some of those three-point attempts into drives to the rim – which is what he is good at. I mean, if you, you're a strong, solid free throw shooter, if you shoot at least 80% from the free throw line, which he does, I mean, you got to think like you can get to the rim anytime you want and you can get any call that you want. Um, and so convert some of those possessions, uh, those three-pointers, into drives to the rim, finishing at the rim. And, I mean, you, we're talking about different outcomes possibly, but uh, he's going to watch the film and he's going to get back into the gym. And who knows what we'll see from Donovan next year. But – uh, that Utah team is only going to go as far as he can take them. I, I said that after game two, and I might have said that before we before the playoffs even started, uh, that Utah is only going to be as good as Donovan Mitchell when it gets to the playoffs, uh, when it comes to the playoffs. So um, we'll see how we'll, we'll see how he, he deals with that. And then on the Eastern Conference side, that's where we we have our two sweeps, right? We have Boston who sweeps Indiana, and then we've got uh, Milwaukee sweeps Detroit. I mean, that Milwaukee series, Blake Griffin doesn't play in two of the games, but shout out to Blake Griffin for, for playing through his knee tendonitis. Um, that's never easy, especially if your knee is sore. And, and Charles Barkley talked about it, um, about how everybody is sore this time of year and tendonitis and all this and all that. But, I mean, Blake, what is he? He's having a procedure after the, or after the season or he's already had it uh, on his knee. And you could see it. And, I mean, he was limping up and down the court giving 110% for this team who was not going to win a series against the the best team in the league. I mean, they just weren't going to do it, but he's out there playing with his brothers. Um, I mean, just so much respect for Blake. This is the best season of his career that he had. Um, but unfortunately they just ran into just uh, a guillotine. Um, they just got beheaded. I mean, Giannis isn't playing any games. He was taking no prisoners. He had a strong first round series. Uh, as did the rest of the Bucks, and, and they just swept the Pistons right off the court. Um, and then when you talk about the Pacers and uh, the, the Celtics, I mean, the Pacers really only lose this series. They get swept because they don't have Victor Oladipo. I mean, they had they had big leads or they had very important leads uh, in three of the four games that they were swept in. Uh, game one, game two, um, and game, what, four, I think it was. I mean, the only game that they really just got the crap beat out of them was game three. 
game one they have they have the what the the twenty point lead or so before like halftime, and then Kyrie Irving literally outscores them the rest of the like in the third quarter, and then game two um, they have the lead late in the fourth quarter again, and then Kyrie goes on like a twelve nothing run or the Celtics go on like this ridiculous like run and they close it out. Uh, so those two games for sure, for sure, if you have Victor Oladipo, you get you can slow the game down, you can run plays for somebody who can create for other players. And Vic, I mean, like, you're not losing those two games. Come on. You're not losing those two games. If you have a 20-point lead and you got Victor, you're not losing that game. Uh, and then game four, I mean, Victor just makes a difference in that. It's a close game. Um, he's a guy who can get you a bucket. I mean, you don't have to run everything through Bojan, uh, and who unfortunately did not have a strong series. He only took twenty. He only took 22 three-pointers the entire four-game series. So they were running him off the line, and he just wasn't making shots. Uh, and he's just got to – I mean, that's just that's not on him and that's not on anyone on the Pacers staff, but they were just outplayed at the guard position when it came to Kyrie Irving, Rozier, um, you know, especially Kyrie Irving. I mean, the Celtics are without Marcus Smart and, and that who knows how far who knows how how much that's going to affect them. Um, I mean, it didn't seem to affect them in game one against the Bucks because they just beat the dog crap out of them. But. Kyrie Irving right now is playing on another planet and he has ascended to another level uh, for this Celtics team. And so if your guards are not going to be able to, to meet that, to match that, you have no chance. And the Bucks without Malcolm Brogdon, uh, the Pacers without Victor Oladipo, I mean, Darren Collison, Aaron Holiday, as much as I love the Holiday family and Corey Joseph are not going to meet where you, where you, they're not going to, they don't, you can't even put all three of them together to fuse them to get a Kyrie Irving. That's just they're not going to give you that production because they don't all have different aspects of their game that can be a Kyrie Irving, right? I mean, Collison, what does he do well? I mean, you don't really know what he does well. Holiday is a strong defender. He's a better defender than Kyrie. But what does he do well offensively that can give you an edge? Uh, or something that if you put him and Corey Joseph and, and, and Collison together, what are they going to give you? Um, so they don't do any one thing individually well to put together to, to match the production that you get from Kyrie. Um, and, and unfortunately, that's where they that's what they lacked. Uh, and Kyrie didn't. He didn't. It's not like he scored 40 every game, but he did shoot the ball efficiently from the field. I mean, he shot 40 percent from the field and averaged 22 and a half and eight assists. Uh, so. I mean, he 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 dominated he dominated in in a very good way. Um, so, but I mean, you can't put that on the Pacers. Uh, you, I mean, Nate McMillan did well without Victor Oladipo. I mean, for them to go, for them to have the record that they had six, 16 and 15, uh, until the playoffs got here. Um, so 16 and 19 after being swept, uh, but 16 and 15 in the regular season from January 24th on to the end of the season after Victor, uh, I mean, that's. That's commendable. That's respectable. They held their positioning in the Eastern Conference. Uh, they were able to fend off guys behind them. I mean, the Celtics were really the only team that was behind them, and they were just going back and forth, back and forth, until until the Celtics really turned it on. Um, so, uh, but shout out to the Pacers, and, shout, and that was a strong series for the Celtics, and and they're my finals pick. So, um, I'm going to have them advancing in every round to until we get to the finals. But objectively, I will look at it and see, you know, where their faults are, especially against this Bucks team uh, when I get to the second round matchups. But, uh, I mean, I want to talk about a series that, 
that should have that also should have been a sweep that that Toronto series against the Magic. I mean, if Kyle Lowry doesn't basically hand the Magic that game one um, by not scoring at all, I mean, we're we're talking about a sweep in which Kawhi Leonard and Pascal Siakam both just destroyed the Magic. I mean, Kawhi twenty seven basically 28 a game and shooting 56% from the field and 50% from three. And then you've got Siakam who's got, who's getting 23 a game on 53% shooting. Um, those two guys could have carried this Raptors team to a sweep. If Kyle Lowry, all he does is score like two baskets, one basket really. Um, but he doesn't in game one. And so we're talking about how the, the Magic lose in five. And really, the Magic had a strong series. I mean, not a strong series, but a, a good season. Their first playoff appearance since 2011, 2012. Um, but they just did not play well. Their their guy, Vucevic, he did not play well. Uh, he was an all-star in the regular season. He averaged 20 and 10. Uh, he I don't even know if he averaged half of that in the series. I really don't. Um, but just beside, I mean... Kyle Lowry is going to be a factor for this Raptors team if they want to get to the Eastern Conference Finals and if they want to get to the NBA Finals. Kyle Lowry will have to play well. He will have to meet the the play and he will have to play to the same level as these guards who he's going to go up against in, the, in these next couple of rounds. Um, they've got Philadelphia, and Kawhi Leonard silently just dropped 45 on Jimmy Butler's head in game one. Siakam shoots f- freaking 80% from the field. Uh, and, and scores 29. So 45 from Kawhi and 29 from Siakam, really all Kyle Lowry has to do is just be a, a solid third wheel. He doesn't even have to be that great. We're not asking for 20 points from Kyle Lowry, but if he can get you 15 to 18 a game, we know Kyle Lowry can create. We know he can pass the ball and he gets assists. I mean, he, he led the league in assists uh, or was second in the league in assists to Russell Westbrook. So we know he can get others involved, but he's just – we're not asking, I mean, like, he didn't have to score 20 a game, but he's got to score enough so that Kawhi and, and Siakam can go to work. That That's really it. That's all we're asking for Kyle Lowry, and, and that's, what, that's, that's all we need from him. Um, but, what, the final series with the Nets against the Sixers, total domination after game one. After the Nets still game one and just really outplayed the Sixers, uh, it's like a, a – it's like a switch was flipped, and the Sixers just decided um, we're not about to get embarrassed. Joel Embiid only plays more than 24 minutes once in that series, uh, and still averaged nine, like 20 and 10. Uh, so, I mean, that's how good the Sixers can be. If if Butler's playing well, or if actually if Simmons is playing well, and they're all playing in unison and in conjunction with one another, then they can be beautifully. They can be a beautiful basketball team. Uh, but where they're going to meet their demise is against a team, a strong team, especially like the Raptors, who is solid, and they're going to run you off the three-point line, and you're going to have to score on the inside, right? You're going to have to go to Embiid. That's where he's going to be clutched. That's where he's going to be important. And they played game two tonight, and that's going to be something that I'm watching is how well can Embiid play if he's going to play, uh, if he will play, if he's not injured. How you know? Number one is how healthy is he? Number two is how are the Sixers going to get the, the most out of him? How are they going to use him to create for other people? Because I think that's where you have to go because he is a mismatch no matter who's guarding him. There's no one who can guard him in this league or who's still left in the playoffs defensively. 
there's no one who can guard him, right? Like when you look at the center position uh, on the remaining eight teams, there is no one who can guard him. No one in the West. Not a let's not a not a Clint Capella, not a not an Andrew Bogut, not not a Kevon Looney, not a um, um not a not an Ennis Canner, not a Myers, not a Myers Leonard, not a Zach Collins, not a. Uh, I'm blanking on Portland's playing the Nuggets. Not a not a Jokic defensively, not yet. I mean, like no no one in the Western Conference can guard Embiid. And then when you look in the East, Ibaka can't guard him. He's undersized. Uh, Gasala can't guard him. I mean, he's gonna he's gonna he should get thrusted every time. Al Horford can't guard him. Giannis maybe has the best chance because he's a freak of nature, but I don't think Giannis can guard him. Brooke Lopez certainly can't guard Embiid. So when you look, I mean, there's no one who can guard this man. You have to use him to your advantage. He's going to get his points, and he's going to get to the foul line. But use him. He is important. I mean, like he's a, he's an he's an integral figure. If he can stay on the court due to whether it's health or staying out of foul trouble, if he can stay on the court, use him. Run your stuff off of him. Have Simmons cut to the rim. He's a force of nature when he's going to the rim. The only person who I wouldn't want to be in front of when they're going to the rim probably at their size, <clears throat> well, two people, three people. I wouldn't want to be in the way of Giannis when he's going to the rim, LeBron James, and Ben Simmons. Those three guys, I would not want to be in, like, they're bringing so much force and, 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 and motion with them that I don't want to be, like, if they're slashing to the rim, I'm getting out of the way. Run, run Redick off the curls, off the screens for three. Have Butler slash into the rim. Have him doing whatever. Just run at and, and Tobias Harris as well. So, I mean, use Embiid. He's going to be a, a key piece for the Sixers team. Um, and the fact that he didn't have to play a ton of minutes against the, the, the Nets, I mean, that that's they should use that to their advantage. Um, but the Brooklyn Nets, I mean, for them, this was a very great, this was a very great year. I mean, the most wins that they've had in a while, their first playoff appearance in five years. Uh, D'Angelo Russell, he struggled a little bit. He did not shoot the ball well. He shot 34% uh, from the field, even though he, he averaged 19 a game. Um, his assist numbers were low, so he he wasn't really creating for others. Um, but, I mean... All right, so I realized that the recording cut off after 30 minutes, I didn't realize I wasn't paying attention to how long the segment was. Uh, but the last thing that I was talking about was D'Angelo Russell and how he really struggled in that series to create for others. But this, I mean, they sort of the nug the Nets, not the Nets, not the Nuggets, but the Nets sort of played how we thought the Nuggets would play. I mean, they were young and they were just outplayed by a better team, uh, but they were able to steal a game. And so I think that's what I thought we would get from the Nuggets, uh, but we didn't. We got a solid Nuggets team. Um, who beat a, a good Spurs team. And so not saying that the Nets were going to beat the Sixers, but I thought they could have certainly maybe won two games to, to push it to six. And, and once you get to six, I mean, who knows what can happen after that? If, you, if you're in a 3-2 situation, uh, who knows if you can win a, a game six and force a game seven. So it just sort of depends. But um, they've got some decisions to make about D'Angelo Russell and about their future. Uh, where they want to go, what direction they want to be in, you know, what kind of pieces they want to have for Kenny Atkinson, uh, who was a very strong coach, solid coach. I think he should definitely finish top three, if not top two. Uh, coach of the year voting, I think he, he should be up there because of what he was able to do with this team. I know Budenholzer 
got the Bucks to 60 wins, and, and that was very impressive. And I know we've got uh, Doc Rivers is probably going to be in that that mix. Um, so, and maybe and maybe even Nick Nurse, you know, the rookie head coach for the Raptors, maybe even he's going to sneak in there with what he was able to do. But um, just what what whatever Atkinson wants and whatever direction he wants to go in, uh, they, I mean. He's a, he's a good enough coach to where I think Brooklyn, uh, maybe we're not looking at Brooklyn as being a surprise and, and, and being in the playoffs anymore, um, but maybe this sort of becomes like the normal for them. It just depends on what they're able to, to keep and, and who they're able to draft and, and bring in as free agents. So, um, But that's actually going to wrap us up here in segment one. Uh, when we come back after the break, segment two is just going to be the entire second round where we're looking for you know, what, what to expect is in, in sort of, I'm going to already, I'm going to go ahead and talk about the game ones that we've already had. Uh, so, so stick around more check the scoreboard coming up after this official break. All right, guys, welcome back here. Uh, this is the second segment of episode 34, the Charles Barkley episode of check the scoreboard podcast. We are in the second round of the 2019 NBA playoffs and we've already had uh, Game ones, and we have a game two tonight. Um, and so every team has played their game one except for the Portland Trailblazers, the, the Portland Trailblazers, and the Denver Nuggets. Uh, the Trailblazers one and five, and the Nuggets uh, one and seven over the Spurs. And that's why we had to wait for the for those guys. Uh, but we, we actually had you know the second round kickoff Saturday. Um, the Philadelphia 76ers and the Toronto Raptors opened it up for us. Um, the Raptors absolutely got into the 76ers. I mean, Kawhi 45, uh, Pascal had 29, like I mentioned earlier. Um, just, it wasn't, well, it wasn't pretty for the Sixers. I mean, they lose by 13. It was, in my eyes, it wasn't, it wasn't ever close. Um, it just, but this is what the Sixers are going to see. This is kind of what they're going to run into, right? Jimmy Butler was a minus 23. Tobias Harris was a minus 23 on the plus minus. Uh, Redick was a minus six. He only had 17 points. Uh, Simmons was a minus seven. He only had 14 points. So, and, and Marjanovic was a minus 17. So, and, and B didn't play, right? And that, or he did play. He was the only person, he was only the only starter to have a positive plus minus. He was plus four. Um, he played 29 minutes. He had 16 points. Uh, he was five for 18. So he did not shoot the ball well in but this is what they're going to run. This is a problem that they're going to have with a, a better Raptors team. Uh, as a team, they didn't shoot it poorly from three. They were 11 of 32, the Sixers were, uh, which is 34%, so not not awful. Uh, but they're going to – that Nets team in the first round wasn't as solid defensively as this Raptors team is. is. Uh, they were – the Raptors, obviously, one of the – the top two teams in the Eastern Conference this year, they were going back and forth with the Bucks before the Bucks just ran away with it. Uh, but the Raptors didn't finish far behind. They only had what the Raptors were what the 56 wins in the regular season, so uh, not far off from 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 a 60 win team. Kawhi Leonard comes in; he's the stabilizer. Uh, he played well in that first round series against the Magic. Uh, I just talked about his numbers in the in the segment in the first segment with what he averaged, and and he puts up a, a career high in the playoffs. 45 without basically almost seemingly without even trying um he 16 to 23 from the field three of seven from three he made 10 of his 11 free throws oh and by the way he had 11 rebounds 
uh, a plus 26 on the plus minus scale. Gasol was a plus 29 on the plus minus scale. Kyle Lowry, who's the X factor, I think a very important person for this team, plus 25 on the plus minus. He had, he had, you know, he had nine points uh, on four of 10 shooting. Uh, he had eight assists, but he played 37 minutes. So he was out on the court for a very long time. Uh, but I mean, this is what we were, I mean, like if Lowry, that's it, that's all he has to give them. All Lowry has to do is be able to score enough to, to help set the difference between the Raptors and the other team. Kawhi is going to get his, you know, Kawhi is going to be out there every night. Uh, he's a freaking robot. He's, he's on automatic. You know what he's going to give you every night. He's going to give you at least 20 every game. He's going to play defense on their best player. Um, so for the Sixers, uh, Anyone not Embiid, their best player would be Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler had 10 points. He had 10 points on 4 of 12 shooting. That is the Kawhi Leonard effect. That is what the Brooklyn Nets did not have in the first round. That is why Jimmy Butler exploded in the first round. Um, Harris only had 14 on 6 of 17 shooting, right? If he, he was marked at the power forward position. Guess who's playing power forward for the Toronto Raptors? Pascal Siakam. And all he did was... Score 29 on 12 of 15 shooting. All right. And he's guarding Tobias Harris. Pascal is long. He's like six nine. He, he may be up there at 6'10, Siakam. Uh, long arms. He can guard the perimeter. He can guard you inside. He can block your shots. He can move his feet well. Um, so he's a force. He's different. I mean, like when you, you've got Kawhi and you've got Siakam, and then you've got Danny Green, who's a defensive player. He plays well on the defensive end. And you've got Lowry, who's not bad. Uh, at the guard position defensively. Uh, you've got four out of five starters who are guys who can move uh, in, in whatever direction you need them to move. They can play defense on multiple positions. Uh, and Mark Gasol is really the only, quotes around, slow-footed guy out there. Um, so that's where the problems come in for the Sixers. Uh, if they don't want to get swept, they better figure out a way to get Embiid going and working everybody off of that. Uh, Kawhi Leonard is going to lock down Jimmy Butler but they're going to have to find a way to free him up. Uh, this series may not last long if they can't figure it out. Depending on what happens tonight in Game 2, we'll, de- we'll, depend, we'll decide what happens in Philadelphia for Games 3 and 4. I guarantee it. I mean, all because all Games 3 and 4 are going to be about for the, the Raptors, it's just going to be about weathering the storm because Philadelphia is going to come out with energy. They're going to try to get their home crowd you know, involved and, and get those guys pumped up. They're going, to get, they're going to go on their runs. They're going to make their runs. They're going to make their shots shots that they wouldn't make in Toronto. Uh, but all it's about is weathering the storm, going back, giving the ball to Kawhi, one-two punch, bam, bam, get your buckets, have Siakam work off of that. That's what it's going to be about. This Raptors team, the only team who may be able to run up and down the court, not run up and down the court, but match them um, and poise uh, is probably Boston because Boston has been here before. Boston last year to the Eastern Conference Finals. Um without Kyrie. And now they have Kyrie, who is a, a dagger. I mean, he just walks around like a, I mean, he's a, he's a mythical being when it comes to the playoffs. Kyrie loves the playoffs. He relishes in the playoffs. He plays his best basketball in the playoffs, right? So you add that into the mix and the Raptors and the Celtics are a perfect match. They're the only team who can match the Raptors and they're the only team who, who can match the Celtics. Um, so, Depending on what happens in that Milwaukee series, uh, if I mean the Raptors, they all they just have to stay solid. That's it. 
there is a way for the Sixers to win this series, and I just named it. Embiid. Joel Embiid is the key. He is, I mean, he is the answer. Figure out a way to run your offense through him, and he's going to have to be less selfish with getting his shots and making sure he's getting his buckets, and he's going to have to be more open to getting uh, his guys involved. And if those guys obviously aren't there, then he has to make sure he's not taking bad shots. Maybe he can get Gasol into, into foul trouble. Uh, because Gasol is really the only big man they got. I mean, Ibaka's coming off the bench for them. I mean, they can slide, I guess, Siakam if they go small. They can slide Siakam to the center position and have Ibaka run the four. Uh, but they don't really have that guy uh, since they got rid of Greg Monroe uh, and they cut him. I mean, they don't really have that guy who can guard Embiid. So Embiid is the key. He is the one advantage that the Sixers have. Um, and that's that's – I mean, that's all for that series. And then we had the Bucks and the Celtics, and the Bucks got their tails kicked. I mean, Kyrie, 26 points, 11 assists. Horford, 20 points. Horford looked like the boogeyman to Giannis. To Giannis. Uh, Giannis did not play well. When you when you take a look at Giannis's stats after that game, it was it was awful. He had, he has 20, he had 22 points, but he was 7 of 21 from the field. He had a shot blocked several times. Uh, he just did not look comfortable. Um, he, he made five of his 10 free throw attempts, which is not Giannis like he was a minus 24 in the plus minus scale, which I could probably tell you is the best, the worst, uh, plus minus he's had all year. Um, you know, Brooke Lopez did not play well. He had three points. He was one of five from the field. Um, no one, no, I mean, no one in, on this Bucks team played well. Uh, everybody sucked. Chris Middleton had a triple double. Uh, Giannis should be the triple double machine. Uh, but Middleton played the best and he wasn't even, I mean, like, and he wasn't even all that. So uh, the Bucks, they'll regroup. I fully expect them to regroup. Um, this Celtics team just came out with, I mean, they're the more experienced team, right? This is the first time the Bucks have been out of the first round in forever. Uh, so this Celtics team is going to bring it. We're going to have to see now if the Bucks can match their intensity. Boston stills one in, in Milwaukee. Uh, we'll see what happens in game two. Um, but I mean, they got solid performances from Tate, uh, from Horford, uh, Jalen Brown, and Kyrie, and, and Gordon Hayward off the bench. Uh, Gordon Hayward made five of his eight attempts. He had 13 points. Jalen Brown had 19 points, um, and Horford had 20. I just, you know, I mentioned it. He had 10 rebounds or 11 rebounds, so he had 20 and 11. Uh, so these guys are going to play well because they've been here before, and, and even Rozier, who was who was another factor off the bench. It's about what can Milwaukee do, right? Because they they won 60 games in the regular season. They punished uh, pretty much everyone they played. Giannis was a superstar. Um, now, if he's going to make the, the the leap, if he's going to prove that he's the MVP uh, without really proving he's the MVP because he, quote-unquote, doesn't care about you know the MVP award, um, he's going to have to play well, and he's going to have to be the man. Um, and I'm saying that without Giannis having a jump shot, I'm saying that purely based off the fact that he's going to have to dominate for them. And I believe that he's going to dominate. I don't believe that Al Horford is going to keep this man, you know, shackled for, for now, I guess, like five games at least if, if Milwaukee wins four straight or a seven-game series uh, if Boston wins. So um, I fully expect Giannis to play better. I think he will play better. But for the Celtics, you couldn't ask for a better start. Uh, if you're Kyrie Irving, you couldn't have a better start, right? Uh, he shoots 57% from the field. He makes 40% of his threes, and he only took five. 
So really, five of his 21 shots were threes. That's effectiveness. He's getting to the rim. He's, you know, he knows his game. He, he's poised. Uh, he's been here before. I mean, the guy was a – he should have been the MVP in the finals uh, when the Cavs won it, uh, when they came back from three, you know, from the 3-1 deficit. So uh, this isn't new to him. This is very this is very familiar territory. And this Celtics team last year made that run without Kyrie. And they're only better – they're going to be better in the playoffs this year because of it, uh, because they have him now. Um, and, and they were there before without him. And, and they made it as far as a game seven against LeBron. Um, so and they were really a half, you know, within a half of going to the to the finals. LeBron just carried his team in game seven uh, of the Eastern Conference finals last year. So, um, I mean, this Celtics team is going to be there. And that's why I picked them to get to the finals. And that's why I'm sticking to that. I'm sticking to the Celtics winning the series. I'm sticking to them winning the, the Eastern Conference finals and going to the finals. Because they were there last year and they have Kyrie. The only person who can deter that 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 train for them is going to be Kawhi Leonard. If Kawhi Leonard comes out of that Philadelphia series, which I believe they will, I believe he can. He's the only person who could possibly possibly derail uh, a Boston Celtics Finals appearance. That and if the if Pascal keeps playing the way that he is, those are the only two guys. Uh, but really, the only guy uh, because they were here last year. Uh, Toronto was with DeRozan this year. They don't have DeRozan, but they have Leonard and I've already got the wheels turning in my brain for a Kawhi Leonard uh, DeRozan piece uh, evaluating, you know, you know, depending, depending on when, when their seasons end or when Kawhi season ends uh, evaluating uh, really who won that trade and, and, and where I think the future leads for, for these two franchises. Um, but Boston is solid. I mean, they're going to be there. Um, Boston probably wins, and I think, and I think seven games. I think Milwaukee will bounce back if they can get Brogdon back. That'll be a big help uh, because he enforces. He's a better defender defensively, uh, and and can shoot the ball uh, than George Hill, and he gives them depth. And this is what I think they're running into. They're going to have to have guard depth to be able to to win this series. Tim Frazier, strong guy, very solid, very nice. Uh, but he he's not gonna get it he's not gonna get it done he's not gonna get it done they're gonna have to have uh, they're gonna have to be able to run Bledsoe Hill and have Brogdon I think uh, to have a chance um, but who knows what the timetable is on Brogdon's plantar you know plantar fasciitis um, Bledsoe can't guard Kyrie that I mean that's not a knock on Bledsoe but that's just a knock on how good Kyrie is Bledsoe isn't strong defensively. He's not great, um, but he's agile and quick enough to stay in front of Kyrie. But Kyrie's just got all the moves. Um, he's just too good. He can make any shot he wants to make, and, and that's the difference. That's why. Uh, that's why he's going to toast him, and that's why when George Hill comes in the game, George Hill will get toasted. The best, the person who has the best chance of, of guarding Kyrie Irving is going to be Malcolm Brogdon. Uh, but if he can't play in this series, uh, this series could be over very soon. It could be over fast. Uh, faster than, than seven games, like I like I'm thinking, uh, but I do believe the Bucks will respond. Uh, but I got the Celtics winning, uh, no matter how many games it takes in the series to go. I think the Celtics will win, um, but that's that. But then looking at the Western Conference, we've already had you know we've already had our, our first game between the the Rockets and the the Warriors. Say what you will about that game, uh, about the Warriors who won 104 to to 100 uh, on Sunday. Say what you will about the refs and the officiating and things like that. Blah 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 blah. Houston can't take 43 
they can't take 43 threes and only make like 30% of them. That's the bottom line. Like that, like that's the end of that sentence. If you're gonna shoot 47 threes and only make 29.8% of them, you're not gonna win. You're gonna lose by four points. Take some of those possessions. Take some of those possessions where you're throwing up threes, thinking you're going to get fouled, and convert them into drives to the basket. If you're James Harden, you're going to get a foul call regardless if you're going to the basket. You're going to get a call. Go to the line, make your free throws, which they missed four of, by the way. And the free throw contest was really close. I mean, the Rockets had the Warriors edged, I think, by like one or two free, by like two or three attempts, but they missed four. So they lose by four. We're talking about a tie game. We're going to overtime. But. If you're going to take 47 threes, you better make you better make greater than 30% of them. I will say that. Um, whether you believe you got fouled or not, that's just facts. James Harden, 9 of 28 from the field, you can't have that. Clint Capella only takes two shots. You cannot have that. He's got to be more involved. If you're going to go to the rim, throw those lobs to Capella, which they're denying at the rim, by the way, uh, he's just going to have to clean the glass and get rebounds to go up. Uh, they get 27 from Gordon. They get 17 from Paul, which is cool. Yeah. Zero points from P.J. Tucker. Zero points. Tucker, who was so great in that Utah series, making big shots. And when James Harden was looking for him in the corner, he was knocking down the corner three. So good. Zero points for him in 0-4 shooting. He, three of his attempts were threes. Um, he played 39 minutes, but no zero points. You can't have it. Four points for Clint Capella. You can't have it. Taking a look at their bench, guys. Three from House. Eight from Nene. Three from Shumper, three from Green. So what is that? 8, 3, 11, uh, 14, 17. You can't have 17 bench points. You can't have it because you know the Warriors are running off the bench. You know what they're running. Uh, you know what the rotation looks like. you got to play better. That's the, that's the bottom line. I don't want to hear it about refs. Yeah, they missed some calls, but they they got more right than they got wrong, and that's what the, that's what the final two-minute report says. It says that they were right at the end of the game on Paul's attempt and on James Harden's attempt to tie the game, they were right. That's what it said. So you see that, you go, all right, whatever. We lost. Figure out a way to win in game two. And figuring out a way is converting some of those threes into twos. I'm not going to be sympathetic to James Harden when I look at the the replays and, and they're running it back, and he's jumping three feet or he's landing three feet from where he jumps. Where do you want the defender to start? If you want the defender to start six feet away from you so so that you can get a, a free open shot, well, don't jump so far forward if you don't want to get fouled, right? I mean, naturally, when you're shooting a basketball, naturally, you just go up and down, right? You shoot, you jump to shoot up, and you come down in pretty much the same spot that you start in. You don't jump forward. That's not how this works. And you also don't fall down while you're jumping. Uh, so... I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna sit. He was fouled sometimes. Sometimes he was fouled. The Clay Thompson one, they 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 called it late, uh, but they got it right, and that's it. But I'm not. If you want me to be sympathetic to to Houston and drawing these fouls, I'm not gonna do it. Don't run your offense if you're thinking. Don't run your offense based on fouls. Don't run your offense based on James Harden just getting to the basket and kicking out to somebody or shooting a three. We're going to have to run more actions than just a just a screen for James Harden and then seeing what he can do off of that. You're going to have to you got to have to loop some guys off. You're going to have to get Chris Paul involved. You're going to have to get Capella Capella involved. 
it can't just be James Harden and then decide what happens off of that. That's not going to win. That's not going to beat the Warriors. That's not that's not how you're going to beat them. Not this year. Not a fully functioning, healthy Warriors. Right? I mean, that's not how you're going to beat them because Kevin Durant is locked in. Steph Curry's locked in. Clay's been playing better as of late. All right? You got Iguodala coming off the bench. Uh, I mean, like, there's a reason why this Warriors team has won three championships in the last four years. And they were oh so close to, to finishing off the Cavs for four straight. Um, so it's no coincidence. I mean, these guys are good. These guys have been here. They got 35 from Durant. They didn't, I mean, they get 13 from Thompson and 18 from Curry. I mean, those guys are probably play better. I mean, I just have to assume, um, they're not going to, number one, they're not, they're not going to make only five baskets a piece. Um, Iguodala was solid. He's been six or seven from the field. I mean, they're running Livingston off the, off the bench. Um, they're running Looney out there, so, and they got Bogut. Uh, for the Rockets, it's just, I mean, these Warriors stat lines aren't that impressive, but it's because Houston missed so many shots that they lost. I mean, besides Kevin Durant, the rest of the Warriors stunk it up. They got, I mean, to say the Warriors got lucky to win this game, I'm not going to say that uh, because they they just played better, uh, but. I mean, you look at the stat line and you go, oh, Kevin Durant had 35, but he's the only person who had more than 20. I mean, you would think, I mean, like, okay, yeah, the Warriors probably lost, but they didn't because you look at what the Rockets did and it wasn't the same. I mean, it's just the Rockets had more possessions. I mean, they, they took more shots, but they also missed more shots. The Warriors as a team were 7 for 22 from three, which is awful. Uh, that's 31%. That's not great, but they shot 50% from the field. What did Houston shoot from the field? 41%. They were 31 of 74. The Warriors were 38 of 75. So the Warriors took one more shot. Um, but they made more shots. And that's what it boils down to. And that's why they won. And that's why Houston didn't. Um, and that's what they're going to have to figure out. It's not even figuring. It's just doing it. It's just doing it. It's just stop shooting so many threes, thinking you're going to get fouled. Convert some of those possessions into baskets. The Den the reason why the Dentoni system doesn't work this late in the game is because now you've got guys who can just shut you down. You've got specialized defenders. Uh, Clay is a strong defender. Iguodala is a strong defender. Durant is a better defender than people give him credit for. Uh, he's really solid. He's really good defensively. Draymond's good defensively. They're running Looney off the bench. He's a solid defender. Um, McKinney has shown flashes of what he can be in, in terms of being able to play good defense. Uh, and obviously Clay is a, a good defender. So the difference between the first and the second round is now you, you're seeing better competition. Uh, Houston could have probably gotten by with shooting 29% against the, the Jazz because Donovan Mitchell was holding them back. And really besides him, I mean, not even that. I mean, no one really played well for them besides Jay Crowder in that series. Um, so, yeah, they could have probably gotten by with that against the Jazz. Uh, but if they were to meet any of these other teams in the second round, and by any, I mean Golden State, Denver, or Portland, uh, if they played Portland, I guarantee you they'd have got their ass smoked. The Rockets would have. They shoot 29% for three against Portland. Uh, Dame has probably 40. CJ has probably 20. And Rodney Hood's coming off the bench, and he's getting 15. And we're talking about Portland's probably winning by 20 points. All right? The Thunder way would shoot better than 29% from three in that series. I mean, I mean, it's just – it's just simple. You plan these. You're playing better teams. They're gonna take better. If you're gonna take those awful shots, the team you're playing against is gonna take better shots, and they're gonna score at a more efficient rate. That's just simple. 
It's simple logic. That's how it works. And that's why Houston didn't win in game seven last year. At some point, you have to go, we're not making these threes. We got to start converting some of these possessions. We got to take it to the rim. We got to get to the foul line, get foul shots up, slow the game down. We got because they're coming. We got to take control of this game. And they, that's, they don't do that well. D'Antoni's system is not built for that. But Chris Paul is a floor general. He should have the brains and the smarts to know, like, why don't we just get Capella in a, a pick and roll situation and run something off of that? Why don't we do that instead? Like, why don't we just run at some semblance of an offense, have some guys, you know, just have some guys doing some things besides just standing around in a corner waiting for James Harden to make up his mind on whether he's going to fall down while he's shooting a three or go to the basket and flip a, a shot up at, at the rim. That's what that's going to be about. That's what this has to be about. Um, so no sympathy for me on that. Uh, the Warriors won. The Rockets lost. They got to do better. This Portland series against Denver, I think more intriguing than people are probably going to give credit for now because of what we saw from the first round between uh, from Dame and, and the, the Trailblazers. Yes, the Trailblazers are playing very, very good basketball, but they cannot overlook this Denver team. This Denver team plays as a team, just like Portland does. It's not all about Dame, even though Dame is shooting the ball at a, at a very, very Thanos-like rate. Um, but it's not all about him, right? CJ is also getting buckets. They're getting buckets from Rodney Hood. Canner is playing big in the absence of Yusuf Nurkic. They're getting big minutes from Myers Leonard and Zach Collins. Aminu is playing very, very good basketball. Uh, Harkless is playing good for them. Seth Curry is playing very, very good for them when Dame is going to the bench or when CJ is on the bench. So it is a collective effort from this Trailblazers team, much like we're getting from this Denver Nuggets team, right? Denver's playing very, very well. Jamal Murray, after he came on, Jokic came on. They're getting solid minutes from Craig, who's probably going to guard Dame. You know, I mean, we're talking about um, Beasley, who's a, who's a solid player. Um, they've got Isaiah Thomas. they got Millsap. Uh, Millsap has to play better in this series if, if Denver does want to stand some sort of a chance uh, or if they want to be, you know, he, he – Millsap can make enough plays to make a difference in the game, uh, but whatever Jokic decides to do, uh, whether and he's really, I mean, he's at a, I don't want to say he's got an advantage at his position, but if they're going to run Canner on him, um, he's got a size advantage in terms of he's taller, uh, he's bigger, uh, so he can do that. But I mean, this is going to be a good series. I think Portland probably wins. I think they're strong enough to win. Uh, this Portland team has been very, very good. Um, I think Portland could probably could probably win this in six. Uh, I, I will give Denver two games, uh, but I think Portland can win it in six. But it's going to come down to which team uh, can make more plays, right, uh, as a team. Um, is Dame going to start forcing it? Uh, is he going to start forcing the issue? Um, how is CJ going to play? Uh, what are the others going to do for this Trailblazers? Can the others, can the others for this Trailblazers team play – uh, basketball like they did in the first round, basically. Can they match that energy that Dame is bringing, that CJ is having? Uh, can they match that? And can they can they elevate? Can they play really good basketball? Because we know what Dame's going to bring, know what CJ's going to bring. Can the others do well? And then for the Nuggets, how is Jamal Murray going to play? Uh, is he, is he going to keep up his good play? Uh, Jokic, is he going to keep up his good play? And can the Nuggets as a team, as a, as a, from, from, 
man number one to the final man in the rotation, can they play well enough to beat this Trailblazers team? Um, that's what we're going to see. And it's going to be a fun series to watch, way more fun uh, than what people may think. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Many, if you're listening to this, uh, I like your I like your Nuggets team, um, and I think they're solid, but um, we're going to ride the Dame wave and see where it takes us. But uh, that's what I got for, for the second round. We'll take one more break, and we'll take a look at the schedule uh, we'll, and then uh, see how these – see when these teams are playing. Uh, but – but yeah, uh, more check this scoreboard coming up after this. All right, this is the final segment. And in this segment, we're just going to run through the schedule of NBA games we've got coming up. Uh, when you can expect these games to be played. Uh, it's Monday, April 29th currently. And that means tonight we have game two between the Sixers and the Raptors at 8 o'clock, 7 o'clock Central on TNT. Also on TNT following, we've got game one of the Portland Trailblazers and Nuggets series at 930 and that's Monday night. Tuesday night, we've got game two between Boston and Milwaukee. That's 7 o'clock on TNT. And then we've got game two between the Rockets and the Warriors. That's scheduled for 9.30 on TNT, Central Time. Uh, Wednesday, we got Portland and Denver. We've got that game two series, and that's the only game of the night. 8 o'clock start on TNT before we come back with some game threes. Uh, we got one game, game three on uh, Thursday, May 2nd. <clears throat> Excuse me, Thursday, May 2nd. Um, between the Raptors and the Sixers, that's that's going to be on ESPN at 7 o'clock. And then uh, Friday, we've got two game threes between the, the Bucks and the Celtics. Uh, the Celtics become the home team as the series shifts to Boston. And then we've got game three between the Nuggets and the Trailblazers as that, as that series shifts uh, to Portland. And, and one more note about this Portland-Nuggets uh, series, the Nuggets need to play well at home in these first two games. Uh, especially because they are the more inexperienced team, right? This Trailblazers team has experience in the playoffs. They just haven't been able to get over the hump. They're finally over the hump. Now, um, what are they going to be able to do? And this Nuggets team, this playing at home has been a blanket for them. So how well are they going to be able to play? Are they going to be able to keep it up before they have to go on the road and play Portland uh, in the modest center? But game three between those guys, Friday night, 9.30 start on ESPN or whenever this, uh, probably this Bucks game ends. Saturday, one game on Saturday, May 4th. We got um, game three between the Warriors and the Rockets. That's uh, that's going to be in Houston. That's going to be a 7.30 start on ABC, 7.30 p.m. And then Sunday, May 5th, we've got Raptors Sixers on ABC at 2.30. Then you've got uh, game four between the, the Nuggets and the Trailblazers in Portland on TNT at 6 o'clock. Um, any of the game after that is an if necessary game at this point in time. And I'll cross that bridge when we get there. But that's what we got. That's the schedule coming up. Uh, another note, we're almost at the end of April, so we're going into May. Uh, congratulations uh, on a solid April. If you had a solid April, and if you did not have a solid April, bounce back in the month of May. Um, you know, put April behind you and then put your best foot forward and let's get it going. Uh, but that's going to be it for, the, for, this, uh, for this episode. I'll see you guys at the end of this round, or if we have some, some, if necessary games, uh, I'll come back and do those depending on what the series look like. Um, but if not, then I'll see you guys in the uh, conference finals. So have a solid, solid uh, month of May, um, have a strong couple of weeks, um, and enjoy yourselves. If you're graduating from college or grad school, congratulations. Uh, this is our time of year. Um, congratulations and much more success to you. And I, and I hope you guys, if you have a job lined up, 
uh, wish you guys the best of luck in that job. And if you don't have a job, I wish you the best of luck in your job search. So uh, don't give up whatever it is that you're doing. Don't give up on it. Uh, stay true to your ideas. Stay true to your beliefs. Uh, believe in yourself. Uh, believe in your family who's backing you up. Um, and, and surround yourself with a solid core of people. But that's it for episode 34. Check the scoreboard, man. Uh, we're out of here.